It's a great occasion. I love this every year when this comes around. I mean, you, you remember in years past, we'd give out things to mothers, and then every year you can uh, picture uh, that you receive something. Maybe your kids come to church with you that they don't normally get to. They live somewhere else, and it's great to see the excitement of that, and it's altogether appropriate. My mom is a great mom, and so Mother's Day is a great thing for me. Some of you, uh, this is a, a Mother's Day where your mother's not here anymore. That doesn't change anything as far as the purpose of this day to remember and to honor because the rest of your life, your job is to honor your mom. Uh, make people good look at you and go, boy, you must have had a good mama. That's what you want people to say. And then you also want them to say, you have a good God to live the way you do. That's what you want, and that's what we do, we'd like to do. I, my first sermon ever was on a Mother's Day morning in Fredericktown, Missouri. So every year I think I'm, I get nostalgic about this. I knew this is what the path I wanted to take. And on Mother's Day, one particular time, my mom wrote the sermon. So that made a great Mother's Day, right? I still have it on a piece of paper, typewriter written and all that stuff. It also marks the first time I ever came here to check out Valley View just to be sure it was going to be safe with you people. And ever since then, every Mother's Day, you know, I, I was trying to decide if this church is fit for me, and the song leader's name was Fitz. And ever since then, every Mother's Day, Fitz is the song leader. It's a creepy, weird thing. I don't know that anybody does this on purpose or if it just kind of ends up that way by the design of God or the devil or whatever. Um, but there was, no, there was no undercurrent of, you didn't trick me. I knew what I was getting into, and I came anyway, uh, having to put up with that. But the title of this lesson, Save Through Childbearing, really comes from a, a verse that's very difficult. I was chatting with somebody this week, and they were saying, this is the one verse they want to know, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. What in the world does that mean? I'm not sure I can satisfy everybody with it, but that's not the text we're using anyway. We're just looking at that whole childbearing thing and going, what are a couple of messages we get out of this entire thing? I want you to consider with me for a second the childbearing role of mothers. I, I suspect what 1 Timothy 2 means is this. There are, there are certain functions that each gender has that the other one doesn't. In our world, people hate that. In our world, people shake their fist at any thought that one gender has a distinct function that the other one doesn't have. We resent it because our world right now is saying to us, the genders should be interchangeable. They should just go, they're both the same, so they're interchangeable. And I'm telling you, and you know this, that ain't true. That makes no sense. And yet that's what the world is, and, and, and I know women who will argue with this. Oh, we have to make all the sacrifices, we have to, that baby has to be in us for nine months, and we have to change our lives, and the dads don't have to. Well, you can throw a fit about that and be resentful about it, but as far as I can tell, for the foreseeable future, until we get weird and start changing things even worse scientifically than we do right now, there's one gender that can carry a child. That role is distinctly for women. And while I, I know that there are some people who shake their fist and get resentful about that, I also know like Sheila Phipps comes up to me after a service this morning and says, well, I know there are people who resent it, but I cherish it. I loved that role. And I embrace that role as God-given. And she did, and I know many of you do. And, and here's, but we know this. Here's the truth. I, I just want to testify people to testify for. How many of you men would say, be honest and say, 
women, when it comes to our children and being born and also raising them, women make the greater sacrifice even than men. Would men agree with that? You acknowledge that? Yeah, you know this. And, and part of it is by nature, and there's nothing we can do about it. Part of it, sometimes we get a little lazy, men, about filling in the gaps and keeping up the pace. The truth is a woman carries that child. Her body changes, and some part of that never changes back. It's never quite the same. The hormones change. The moods change. You might get morning sickness. You might have to change your behaviors for that period of time because what you do immediately impacts that child and you know it and so your behavior changes and your career may have to be put on hold. And we live in a world where they feel bitter about this. Many do, but that's just the way it is. And the question is, are you going to embrace that? It's a sacrifice you have to be willing to make. Now, because of that, some people are choosing not to make it, right? And even after the baby comes... I hear this all the time. Even after the baby comes, the mothers still make the greater sacrifice. And we'll admit that knowledge that we'll have mothers that will say, I can't remember what it's like to have a hot meal anymore, right? I'm taking care of cutting this up for the baby and all that. And by the time you get to your food, it's cold. It's one of those sacrifices and it's legit. And y'all, I look at that and I look at, I just look at that and I go, I'm amazed. And this is why Mother's Day is so emotional to so many of us. Father's Day, just give him a wrench. But mom, we got to, right? We, because this is such a big deal and it's so emotional to us. Their lives are different. They make different sacrifices than men do. Into every crevice, crevice of their lives. They, they can't even go to the bathroom by themselves anymore, some will cry out, right? Because that's just the way it is. I want you to think about that. As we look at a couple of passages about what does this mean for us, I, I remember as a teenager thinking, you know what, I don't even want to have kids. I think about all the sacrifices and the changes they make and all what that brings into your life and, and all this stuff. I don't even want to have kids. And, and my own son says this, and his wife will say, I don't want to have kids. And there's a lot of them. This is a huge population. The, the, the child rate, childbirth rate is really declining because there's a lot of people that will say, give me a dog, I don't ever want to have kids. Now, when I used to say that, I'd be told I was selfish. You think it's true to get married and say, you know what, I like life like this, and I like what I'm going to do, and I like the plans I got, and bringing in a child into this wall and mess it up, so I just don't want to have children. Is that selfish? I don't know if it is or not. I don't know what the motives are. But I do know that having a child will make you vulnerable financially, emotionally, physically, in every other way. And because we know that, we look at our own mothers with such deep reverence and respect because of the role they played. Now keep that thought and those feelings in your head, and let's read Deuteronomy for a moment. We're in Deuteronomy chapter 32. On the screen, you're going to see a a, a later verse. We're going to get to that in a minute. But here's Deuteronomy at the beginning. uh, When when Moses is ending his life, his his life is about to end. He's not going to go into the promised land with the people. But God says, I want you to teach them a song. This song is what we call a self-diagnosis song. It's to keep you in line because you get forgetful. Do you know why we have worship every week? Because you will get forgetful. 
You will forget what God has done for you. You will forget why he deserves to have your allegiance, why he deserves to be able to tell you how to live your life and you rearrange your life in submission to him. You will forget why God has a right to do that if you don't constantly remember what he's done for you. And so this song is to help them remember, but he's also saying this is what we've been like in the past and this is how I know human nature is. And so be careful, right? Sing this song every once in a while and here we go. Verse 3, I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. The rock, his work is perfect for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. Is that true? You think God's perfect and he's been good to you? He's been good to you. He's been perfect to you. He's, do, he's done right by you, and God always will. That's the nature of our God, and you've got to remember that as you go through life. But what do we do in response? And that's when verse 4, uh, verse 5 kicks in. They have dealt corruptly with him. They are no longer his children because they're blemished. They, have a crook, they are a crooked and twisted generation. Do you thus repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Is not he your father who created you, who made you and established you? You forget what God's done for you. The only reason you exist is by the grace and mercy of God. That's why you exist and everything that you have and everything that you are and everything that you experienced has been overseen by God. He not only made you, but he sustains you. And you should, you should be praising him and you should be obeying him in your life, but you don't. Now we jump to verse 15, which is on the screen. But Jeshurun, this was... I feel so sorry for him. I've given him lousy, Ronnie, some lousy things to read. He probably thought, what is Jeshurun anyway? It's just another name for Israel. Jeshurun grew fat. God was so good to his people and prospered and blessed them, and they ate to their full, and they got fat, and they got entitled. Does anybody find this like, you see this in our world? Do you see this in your own heart? grew fat and kicked and you grew fat and stout and sleek and then he forsook God who made him and then he started looking around well I'm I'm good and I'm looking around the world I want to do different things and he scoffed at the rock of his salvation they stirred him to jealousy with strange gods they decided to go to other other sources for their pleasure right with abominations they provoked him to anger they sacrificed to demons that were no gods, right? The gods they had never known. Every, any new thing on the block, I'm going to run and try it too. To new gods that have come recently whom your fathers had never dreaded. You were unmindful of the rock that bore you. You forgot the God who gave you birth. God is your father and God is your mother. And yet, and yet you forgot you did not honor him, you did not praise him, you did not obey him, you did not respect him and adore him. And because of that, you forgot him and chose different routes of life that have led you astray from God. This was what will happen. Moses is teaching this song saying, guys, if you're not careful, this will happen. Do you know why we should have a Mother's Day? We should have a Mother's Day, and it shouldn't take a Mother's Day, but it's a good one anyway. You should have Mother's Day so that you never forget how much you owe her. And you think, well, I could never forget that. Yes, you could. Our memories, y'all, are fickle. Our memories are fickle. 
And so you need to, re- but, but, but he says, and he, and he says, and what he, what he wants to do here in Deuteronomy 32 is say God is like this. The images used of God that describe mothering is, is very abundant. In scripture, Hosea chapter 11, I took Israel by the hand and I helped her to walk and I taught her to walk. That's God speaking. Isaiah 49, it's like I, I nursed, him, I nursed uh, Israel uh, uh, from my breast, right? Because God was like child feeding right there. God's done all this and he's taken care of you and yet some reason we find ourselves drifting off in allegiance to him. We're not giving honor to him. You shouldn't be able to resist honoring God just like you shouldn't be able to resist honoring your mother. I think it's great that we honor our mothers and we should all the time and especially on Mother's Day, make a little fuss out of her, right? We got some people making lunch for her, got some people spending the afternoon with her, whatever. You, you make a fuss because she deserves it. She deserves that honor. But God says, don't forget, so do I. I think it's perfectly natural that Mother's Day is on the Lord's Day every year. Mother's Day is on the Lord's Day. The Lord's one of the greatest things God did for you, most of us, is by putting us with a mother that he put us with, and we find ourselves very much appreciative and grateful for it. Mom is a reason to thank God, too. It's a time to honor. world's changing, but this kind of honor should never change. There is another passage, though. So here's the first message, I guess, of childbearing this. You're here because of the sacrificial work of someone else. Someone else did things for you you couldn't do for yourself. And when you realize that and you come to understand that, it should provoke honor from you. That's true of moms, and that's true of the God who gave you life. There's another one who uses this image too. It's in the book of Galatians, and it's Paul. It's not only by Paul, but it's about Paul. Galatians is this area where you've got Iconium, Lystra and Derby, some other churches that he established. If you remember on the first missionary journey, he went through all these places. He met at synagogues, created a church, and left a church behind. One of these towns, Lystra, he went in and they stoned him, right? They dragged him out outside the city, stoned him, left him for dead, and he went right back in that city. There's a lot of pain and trouble that Paul went to to establish these churches. When he was called, God said, let me, let me show you how much you're going to have to suffer to do my will. And he, he's able to do all these things and give birth to churches. But shortly after he leaves, the Jewish people go into these churches and start tainting the gospel. It's not enough just to trust in Jesus and gather around the Lord's table. You've got to add the Old Testament law to your obedience. You have to be circumcised and honor all these 613 laws of the Old Testament. You've got to be a good Jew in order to be a good Christian. And Paul throws a fit about this. When he writes most letters, he he sends out this prayer. I love you guys. I'm finally remembering you guys. And I, I have a prayer of thanksgiving as he starts out the book. But not so the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians immediately goes into war. He's fighting for the souls of this church and says, how dare you let anybody come in there and taint the message that we gave you, the message of the grace of Jesus, the gospel. And he says this, it is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, to be zealous for something. And not only when I'm present with you, I don't want you just to be excited about the gospel when I'm present. I want to know that when I leave town, you're still zealous for that, right? 
My little children for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, I wish I could be present with you and change my tone. I'm perplexed about you. Paul says, you know what? I gave you birth spiritually. I am spiritually your mother. I went through all the sacrifices like a mother does in order for you to experience new birth. And I gladly did it. And then you let go of it and you start going to a different gospel. And he says, I'm coming to you again and we're going to go through this again. And it's going to cost me again, but I'm willing because I, I feel like a mother to you. I am giving you new birth, right? Now, it's obviously God does that, but they would never know that without the work of Paul. Let me give the second message of Mother's Day from this childbearing image. Every believer is to be involved in moving other people towards spiritual new birth. We're to be involved in the birthing process for every new believer. And it's gonna take time and sacrifice for each of us to be willing to play that role in the lives of other people. That's what Paul is saying in here. Now this is interesting to me. Paul says, you were a burdensome trouble to me to be able to get this message to you, but I was willing to do it, and I'll do it again. You should have deep and abiding affection for me, just like I have for you. So Mother's Day, we itemize all these sacrifices Mom made for us. And one of the things we're supposed to get from this is we need to be willing to give that kind of sacrifice toward others. What kind of sacrifices are involved and leading people to new birth. We are not a church that wants to simply grow by attracting sheep from other folds. I'm great with numbers. I'm great with having six, 700 people, but if it's just because we're rearranging the spiritual furniture of Jonesboro, I'm not really moved by that. I think what should happen and what we do exist for, and I love our fellowship, y'all. I love all the fellowship opportunities and the things that we do to be involved in each other's lives. But if we are not reaching people who are outside to bring them inside, we are not doing the primary role of the church. And I don't like talking about this, and I don't like preaching about it, mostly because I'm not willing to do it myself very well. And so these sermons like this, especially when you turn a Mother's Day sermon into evangelism sermon, what kind of problem is that for you, right? It's kind of terrible. But our job is to be a church that looks out at the lost world around us and says we will do what is necessary to rearrange our lives to reach you. We will do what is necessary to bring you new birth. And if that means we've got to rearrange some things, we'll do it. What are some things that moms gave up in childbearing that we need to give up when it comes to reaching people for new birth, spiritual birth? One of them is time. Time. I, I think about what God is asking us to do, and you got your life, and you got your life, and you got your calendar, and it's marked like crazy. And if your life is so busy, you can't work any time whatsoever into having some time to look at other people's lives and say, how can I disciple anybody? If it's so busy, you can't even take time to pray for other people who are lost. We are too busy. And the sacrifice of the mother is this. I don't know what you had planned if you didn't plan out this pregnancy necessarily, exactly when it was going to be. I don't know what your plans were, but this pregnancy is going to take precedent over whatever else you had in mind. 
And when our task, when we want to be a real church that says we're Bible church, it's not just the five acts of worship. It's just making sure you have the Lord's Supper every single Sunday. It's the identity of people as we are out to save the world. And that means we're people who give some of our time to reaching other people. And boy, do I know, that's a weird thought, right? I think of George Hanna, strange fella down here with the young people. You look at the youth group over here, you take a picture and you look at it, you go, one of those guys doesn't belong over there. Right? Here's a guy who's single and doesn't like himself. George doesn't like spending time with George. That's not true. I'm just exaggerating here. And so, because he's, he gets off work, and he goes, I could go home, but then I'd be spending time with George. And I don't like George. That's not really true. I'm exaggerating. So what am I going to do? Well, if, if you've ever followed him around at all, if you've been to any ball games, he's going to ball games all the time. And he knows not only our young people here, but he knows their friends. He's using his time to get to know people, and maybe by doing so, have a relationship to where when some of them come to church, they'll at least know him. Because he stands out so weirdly in the youth group. Everybody knows it. I think about Lori Fitz. I pick on Mitchell all the time, but I'm going to brag about Lori here. Here's the thing about their house. Their house is not theirs anymore. If you ever go over there, I think it's really a college frat house, and they just rent. They're there all the time. They might be scheduled or they might just drop by. And there they are. And this is called discipleship. It's not just about I'm having a Bible study with you. I'm sharing life with you. I'm sharing life with you. And do you know why there's a huge college group over here most of the time when college is in? Because somebody's sharing life with them. It's not I'm going out for you for Wednesday night after, just after church. It's you're dropping by. We are involved in each other's lives. We're talking about decisions. We're having conversations, not just Bible study, Acts chapter 2, but life decisions, and they're sharing life, and it takes time. And, y'all, I don't know where to fit all that in, but I do know this. It should be a priority, not something you slam in there when you can. This is what happens when you consider yourself a person who's a childbearer. My job is to get people to new birth. And it's going to require sacrifice of me. What am I willing to do? There's time and there's, oh, there's comfort. There's comfort. It rearranges your schedule. And, you know, if you're going to disciple somebody, it has to fit into their schedule. And sometimes you have to make your schedule fit theirs. And it's not comfortable. I, I'm an introvert. And you've got to be a little bit extroverted. And that's always outside of me. It's just a pressure thing. But that's what you do. When you're trying to give birth, spiritual birth to somebody. I think of Ella who was baptized last week, and I'm going to go ahead and say it. She's a friend of Jenna. Jenna's a little annoying. Has anybody noticed this? She's a pest. She's nagging in your face constantly. She comes up to you all. And so she has a friend named Ella, and she's thinking, I... I, I she bugs Ella till Ella decides to come to church with her. And I don't know. This has been for months. We're not talking about anything new. This has been for months. And so she makes sure that Ella's with her. I don't know. Did, did, it, require, did it require her to her family to go pick her up for church before? 
which means you have to leave the house 15 or 20 minutes earlier than you normally would. And on a Sunday morning, that means a lot. And so you've got to rearrange your life and make space for this Ella to come to this. Oh, we're just bringing her to church. No, you're not just bringing her to church. This is childbearing. You're wanting to give birth spiritually to a new creature. And last week, we saw it. Did you see it? How many saw it? How many saw it? It's an amazing thing. And to know that somebody took the effort and rearranged things. Y'all, this is what we should all be doing. This is what Mother's Day means to me. There's energy involved in that. Those are the sacrifices that most impressed me that our mothers made for us. They deserve our honor for it. And so does God because he did the same. But it's also a job description for each of us. I've turned this Mother's Day sermon into an evangelism thing and stepped all over your toes. That's not what you came here for on Mother's Day. We're not supposed to do it on Mother's Day. Paul did it. It gives me permission. And it's, it's nailing me to the wall here. To make room for someone in your life so that you can move them from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light takes effort. So, is it selfish for a couple getting married to at the very outset say, we don't want to have kids? Could be. It's not necessarily, but it very well could be. If the reason is, the reason is we don't want them messing up our self-centered lifestyle, it's selfish. But you can debate that. That's okay. That's in the realm of debate. What you cannot debate is a Christian, a Christian who says, I just want to enjoy my Christian life on this earth and enjoy all this fellowship stuff. I just don't want to get involved in the whole childbearing process of a person who's not a Christian. That is selfish. That is completely against God's call for us. You don't have a right to ever say that because you've been signed on not just to bask in the glory of your salvation. You've been signed on to help God reach those who don't have it yet, and he could use your involvement. That's absolute. And so I stand before you as a person who is very bad at this. I don't like evangelism sermons. I don't like that whole stress of you need to involve lives in other people because it's so complicated with their schedules and ours. And I get all that. But listen, that's Scripture. And if we're going to preach Scripture, we're going to preach that. And if it makes you uncomfortable like it does me, I think you at least say, if that's the Bible, then preach it. And this morning... You're going to have just a little bit of a role in doing that very thing. Because there may be some people here who've been thinking about this, or maybe they've been uh, pondering it for a long time. Maybe it's just come into their minds recently, but you know you need to respond to God's issue, of, uh, His invitation. You need to make Jesus confess His name as your Savior because you are a sinner who doesn't know how to save yourself, and you can't. So you name the name of Jesus from your lips. You confess him, and then you are immersed in the waters of baptism, and you bow your knee to King Jesus, 
And we, as a group of people, would bear witness this is a wonderful thing. And if we can, just by our standing here at a moment, as people who can bear witness, this is the way to live, this is the greatest way you can, and if we can use our lips to sing encouragement to you, to get you, to, to move you toward that, we want to play that role. And this morning we're going to do it, and if you're subject to that, the rest of us, let's stand and let's sing and let's urge people toward new life as we stand together.